0: December 12, 2017, this is the first day that I write a daily blog post. So I'm creating this blog post and people are subscribing and back then this is brand new so I'm looking at who subscribes, who signs up, all of this stuff and I see this guy Will Brown sign up and I'd seen Will, He's he'd been over in Perth at the time and I'd watched him on Instagram and he's doing this cool movement stuff and so we kind of have this little connection spark up right a couple of years ago. Anyway, out of the blue, Will starts traveling around a little bit more away from Perth, and he just pushes his foot to the floor in his um, content. He starts sharing, he's giving insights, and I'm just watching this thing take off, going, wow, this is really cool, the amount of value he's creating, he's got a blog, all of this great stuff. and So anyway, it's been really cool because today on the episode, we get to connect, and this is a couple of years later, and I get to find out about his journey. And in this space of time, Will has carved out this path, this little niche. And he's running uh, movement classes in London. He's got um, people that he works with, students or clients that he works with online and helps to coach and teach this movement stuff and even some broader philosophy work and his thoughts on some of these um, broader aspects of life as well. So it was amazing to catch up. And I think this conversation's really cool because we go into some of the stuff that a lot of people don't tend to really talk about when they're carving out this little niche from a passion you know for me it was uh, my back was against the wall and you're kind of running out of money and you're riding your bike down to the library to jump on their internet because you're too stingy to pay for the net for Will it was sleeping on people's couches as he travels around the world connecting with people and you know, aggressively learning as much as he could and and um, cultivating his skill set and these connections. So it's cool to dive into that stuff, uh, into kind of the grit that you don't often hear about. And I think that's really important. I think that's really important to talk about and a really powerful thing to go through and also um, kind of key, really. It's kind of the hard part. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Will Brown and... You're listening to John Marsh here, and this is the Access Potential Podcast. Usually what I kind of start off with is like, I'm really interested in story, mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested in story, I think, in terms of resonance, how we can how we can kind of relate to it and mm-hmm. identify with it, but also um kind of what I'd call backstory as well, like especially with people who are um you know have dove down certain rabbit holes, so to speak, certain things that they've kind of gone off the beaten path for and um so maybe just share with us like a little bit about you know, you mentioned where you grew up and that kind of thing, but a little bit about that backstory, like whatever comes to mind, like schooling or, you know, whatever sort of age, I know we kind of first connected when you were over in Perth, Mm -hmm. Ego and then now Harvey, and it's kind of this crazy little circle, but take us back a little bit, like a little bit of Mm -hmm. kind of the world growing up and what you're up to and that kind of thing. Oh yeah.
1: Cool. So yeah, back in the day, well, so, I kind of grew up on a building site. I remember I was talking about this yesterday. Um, my father's a builder and he bought this like dump of a house when I was born to the point where my mom was crying. It was so bad, but it was just like a project my dad really wanted to do. And um, so my first word was hammer pretty much. And the second word was mess. And it was kind of bumbling around this super, uh, Dangerous is the wrong word, but very rugged environment covered in bricks and dirt and hammers, nails, like, but super physical. And that's what, I, what I'm trying to get at is I, I was pretty physical early on and, and very like obsessed with my dad and just kind of following him around and, and, and how able he was to do things like DIY. So already from a young age, I was very physical. Um, through school, that, that carried on through. Um, but I was always into kind of team sports. I never did anything individually. So I was very kind of, yeah, socially oriented, um, experience oriented. But I also very, very much, um, I was drawn to a leadership role pretty early on. And I really enjoyed that. I, I thrived on that, on that role of, of being counted on, but also helping others and, and giving them an opportunity to, to, to push forward in, in certain ways and with, with my help or whatever i needed to do um but i was classical soccer you know soccer all all, all through school till i was 18 19 playing to a to the level kind of where you 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 turn 16 and you go okay either i'm going to sign a contract and go professional or let's find something else Mm -hmm. and it I, i was actually in my final team i was the smallest player in the team which is weird if obviously we don't, we've never met in real life, but I'm, I'm like six foot three. So I'm yeah, right. 192 now. So I'm like 90 something kilos. So I'm, I'm on the bigger side of the average population. But back then I was tiny, which is yeah. really interesting. Um, so I got drove, drove away from that. And I, I went on a holiday with my family to America and, and started to throw a ball around. And I loved American football then. And so throughout university, I took up American football. And, and through that, I was given a CrossFit membership. Mm. and that kind of started my physical training let's say structured training because prior to that prior to 18 my my parents didn't really want me to train with added weights because they were like oh it's going to stun your growth or you cuz you were smaller too right? <laughs> eh? um i mean i wasn't small growing up it was just with regards to the 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 sports the level of sport i was at they either yeah. picked you because you were decent or because you were huge before <laughs> your age yeah and most of them were huge before their age and I just wasn't um so I, I don't say I w- I'm not gonna um try and make this into a thing like oh yeah I was a tiny guy I was you know super average um but yes yeah, so I didn't do any physical training pretty much until I was 19 20 and directly got super involved in that The they kind of being very oriented towards the the social side of things and experiencing and and, and almost the the competitive side of team sport, but the leadership role, but also having this physicality that I wasn't used to was really fascinating to me. And I just dove right in and got really involved straight away. Um, but the CrossFit and the American football together was just a, a recipe for disaster. My body was just destroyed. Like I had a really bad knee injury, which led to a hip injury, um, a neck injury in one of my final games. And after three of, I think it was three years, I, I decided, okay, phew, not not good. So 19, 20, 21, I was like, okay, my body's getting not so great. Mm. Um, but I started to look at things like Elliot Holt's strong, strength camps and a bit more kind of this hybrid training. And, and it really started to um, inspire a spark in me. Um, and then I found Edo's work. I was studying in Germany um, through university. I went then to, to research some more things. And um, I went to the German sports school, which is amazing. But it opened my eyes to so many different things that I hadn't really experienced in, in England because I was classically, you know, team sports soccer. So I, st- I took up bouldering. I went to a beginner's gymnastics class. We were doing uh, weightlifting, like technical weightlifting, all kinds of different sports, um, but way more individual-based. And mm-hmm. their philosophy was learning by doing. So they just threw you in at the deep end. They said, okay, learn learn on the job, do it, try. What's the worst going to happen? And that was amazing for me because that's what I needed. And I met some amazing people on the way and, and I started to train with the gymnastic rings and, and really dug into Ido's old blog and it was back in 2014-15 so he was still kind of writing on there um, and yeah it became a huge inspiration to see his, his journey around the world and, and how he was learning from different people and, and I thought wow cool this is what I want to do I want to go and learn from different people and, and gain knowledge from different people and, and go around and do what I love to do which is be physical but also experience different things mm. and this kind of subjective layer to the practice was so fascinating to me to to, to live I guess you'd say and so that's what I did I, I, I went back to finish my uni degree I did my uni degree and then directly moved back to Germany for another half a year or so and I was just sleeping on a guy's floor like I was just like okay look I wanna teach, I wanna learn, I wanna be with you guys. I joined a movement group in Berlin. Had an amazing time with them. I taught on a big summer tour. We basically put out a message that we're gonna be in a park at this date in this city. You can come down and we're gonna do a full day's workshop based upon our movement perspective, whatever we we felt like. Um, And it ranged from tree climbing, parkour style stuff, to gymnastic rings and strength work, to floor work, acrobatics work, hand balancing, and anything in between it was it was so great but it was chaos at the same time I suppose um, but that was my first kind of like eye opener to wow you can really share this and people it's so valuable to people um, and then I got a message from Harry and uh, Holistic Movement, mm-hmm. Harry Williams over in Australia and he was like look I'm, I'm, I'm at this gym and, and they need a they need an, uh, another trainer, um, someone that's kind of fits into a role, a bit of a hybrid. That they're offering some kind of CrossFit style stuff, but they're also doing the movement and the body weight and the hand balancing. And I'd started to dig into that world a lot more. And then Harry had seen that and said, "Oh, maybe you'd fit quite well. What are you doing right now?" And I said, "Well, I'm just kind of sleeping on someone's floor in Berlin, um, teaching and, and and moving around every day." I guess sleeping on your floor is a bit of an upgrade in Perth because the weather's great. <laughs> the culture's amazing. <clears throat> I've always wanted to go to Australia. So uh, we made it happen. And a few months later I was in, I was in Perth and uh, bless him, Harry put me up on his floor as a, yeah, as a hero that he is. And um, I and mean, then yeah, I spent just under a year in, in Australia and had an amazing time. I learned so much. The culture there is so amazing. Like five or six dedicated movement gyms. I was in, a couple of them here and there. and Yeah, that's when it all began um, to really pick up. And I I took it seriously that it could be a job, not just something that I did Mm. and traveled the world. Because at the beginning, I never had the orientation of being a teacher. I had the orientation of, I want to experience this and learn as much as possible and meet new people and learn from new people and just be around them and take what I can
0: hmm there's a um, there's a couple of things i want to dive into after that mm -hmm. because i think that feels like a bit of a turning point but before we turn that corner into where the kind of um sort of archetype changed and you start to think about this as teaching and in the momentum builds uh my question is because it's funny i think one of my first words was hammer as well and i see (laughs) a lot of similarities and one question I want I want to ask is around the study that you did at university. Mm-hmm. Because you, what 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 did you study?
1: Uh, it was actually industrial design. Yeah, so right. I studied, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a similar. Mine was in engineering, and um, I think I, I don't want to zoom past this not departure because I think that everything we kind of have done gets integrated in one way or another, but you're not an industrial designer by trade right so I want to just kind of um, dive into whether or not there was any tension there um, you know I, a lot of people I work with it's like it's it's a shift into a different business or a different there's like this mm. kind of different mode that people look at or or dive into fully and you've done this as well and was there any tension in that like how does that play out your parents are kind of you know you have this world where you're studying everything's kind of going in terms of some sort of model some sort of alignment with the culture and what people would sort of expect and then all of a sudden next minute you're on the guy's couch in germany then you're in perth Mm -hmm. like what was the shift there and how did that feel was there any um strain in that how did that unfold
1: yeah great question man that's um yeah there was a huge amount of strain to an extent um i I did just brush over the uni experience i suppose but i got really into american football really quickly and i kind of took it on this this whole kind of group vibe this competitive um physical natured sport really inspired me and i got i got voted team captain pretty early on which was a surprise because i was completely clueless of the rules or the intricate details of it let's say but um I just, I, I fully committed to it and I think people respected that um, and that in a sense took away from my studies because I was like the guy that was up at 7am getting all the guys to, to S&C training mm. where, you know, half of them have been out partying all night and don't want to be there, but I'm like going around the place, like cycling around, like ringing them up, like, come on, let's go, let's get to training and to organize 60 boys um, at that time in the morning at university to, to do a session is,
0: yeah, it's no small feat. <laughs> it
1: was good. It was good. So that, that, was, that was one big thing. And then because of my commitment and my, and my desire to do well in it, I was like, okay, well, there's a bit of a resource management I need to undertake here. And the two lifestyles don't, don't, don't fit together. There's the, the competitive sport and physical realm. And then there's the university, enjoying yourself, socializing, partying. And they don't quite fit too well together. And so I decided to stop drinking, and I, I quit drinking when I was I think nineteen for for about two years throughout university, and it was kind of towards the end of my first year, beginning of second year, and everyone was like, "What the hell are you thinking? like you're not going to make any friends or you you're not going to fit in?" and I was just like, "It's what I want to do it's what I, I I'm committed to this thing, and I, I'm interested and, and I want to dive in and it served me really well i i I still had some great friends through the physical realm, not the drinking realm if that made sense in the partying realm so that was the beginning of of the end of the university study if if, if that makes sense that was kind of the spark of wow I'm, I'm i'm way more motivated for this than 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 the study however i did then get chosen to go to china to do a three-month work placement so the end of my second year amidst all of this kind of um physical practice let's say in with regards to american football i, I I was taken off to China with, with five guys and we worked for three months on some projects in China. It was great, but it was a a really good chance for me to see, okay, do I really want to do this as a job for my rest of my life? Mm. And the answer was no, Mm. I was, I was so busy outside of the office when we had to, when we had to be in the office, I worked, of course, and we were part of a team and there was some great stuff. And I really enjoy the process of design and how you go from talking with, with, with people and, and, and really trying to understand people and get to know what they truly desire and what they need and trying to merge those two worlds. to so then conceptualizing and the ideation phase, going into creating something from nothing, from other people's desires. And then bringing it into reality was super fascinating to me. And, and the, the whole kind of process was really, it really worked well. It, it sat well with me. And that was the biggest thing I, I was way better at leading the process and being around people and, and guiding other people within their own processes. Mm-hmm. I was really bad at the, the back end detailing, um, specific things, the nitty gritty kind of, um, materials and processes side of things, I found that incredibly boring and, and it, it didn't sit well with me. Um, so that's where I fell short, I'd say. But with the sport, it was completely different. It was like, all of a sudden, I could become physical. The details inspired me. And it was like, I was reading the playbooks. I wanted to learn every detail of every play. What the wide receiver was doing, what the running back was doing, what the O-line was doing, how I could coordinate that, what I should see, what I shouldn't see, what the defense was doing. That became kind of my world and my 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 orientation. And then the, 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 the S&C work and the CrossFit work and, and the getting my body into a position where I could really compete there was, was huge because I was obviously on the smaller side of the team to begin with. Um, but then, yeah, m- moving through that, I then, in my third year after China, I decided to go to Germany and, and then go, well, if I'm doing a design degree, but I've, I'm so interested in sport, what's my way out? I can either quit, which I don't really want to quit, or I can try and use this to my advantage and see what I've got. And my university had a really great international department and they were like, look, we're going to support you what you choose to do. You've got a a third year choice, which is you can go to a, a company and you can work with them or you can do an Erasmus year, which is this kind of European exchange. Now Erasmus is pretty lenient and they'll allow you to choose a course the same or similar to your course that you're studying. Mm-hmm. So if you have a value, a viable excuse as to why you want to do some kind of sport-oriented course, fine, we'll support you. And so my way in was, well, if I'm designing items to be used by the human body, surely I should learn a bit more about the human body itself. And they were like, cool, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> <And the> me- <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like it was just, you know, amazing. It's kind of like it, if you really want something, or you, you, you can. I don't know situations seem to, to work if you, if you try hard enough mm-hmm. or you ask the right people. And so I went to Germany and had yeah the most amazing time. And that's kind of where we left off. That was the turning point. then.
0: Yeah. That's funny that my last um, final year thesis was like that. I was surfing all the time and I was in engineering. <laughs> I was like, you got to do this thesis. I was like, okay, what if I design, redesign the surfboard fin, And I studied the, airfoil shape and all of this and effectively like i had to do the project but like i'd go up and test the fins surf on them like write reports (laughs) on how they performed it was just like it was epic everyone sitting in the computer lab like trying to do their project and at the end of it i got to have this nice little surfboard fin and get all these waves It was pretty cool um (laughs) the other thing i want to talk about and i think this could be something we may or may not go further down this but You're sleeping on people's couches and um, there's this concept of like, you know, the work that you're doing is propelled by the network effect, right? Like you have the more connections you have, the more impact you're able to have as a teacher. And it sounds like it's something that really helped you as the student and helps you as a student. But, you know, you mentioned the outreach from Harry sleeping on people's couches. this idea of exposure and connection to me is really interesting because I think a lot of times um, I'll meet people who are well in the top 2-3% of their field as a practitioner, um, but are really underexposed and whatever the reason might be, haven't made the connections, haven't, I mean, what you were talking about is an international level of literally traveling around on people's couches and I know full well, like you don't get paid well to do that and to go and basically bash your way around and, and not, not struggle, but it's not easy, right? Like it's not um, a luxury lifestyle, um, but talk to us a little bit about this posture of connection. Cause everywhere you go, you're seemingly already at this point back then accumulating face to face experiences with people. In different walks of life, different cultures, different countries, and it seems like that's having a net positive as you go along. Is there something resonating in that?
1: Hundred percent, buddy. Hundred percent. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think just to address your point, yeah, I, I really think it's uh, it was a a management of resources, you could say, in the sense of I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere for loads of money, and I could accept that because in my mind, the picture wasn't, Oh, I'm going to go to these amazing places and have an amazing time with regards to tourists or the classical travel story. It was, I'm going to go to these amazing places to meet these amazing people and train hard and crash wherever I can to get by. And that was the orientation. And so the expectation of, of my travels was so open and so kind of like, I'll embrace whatever comes. I'm, I'm so excited to just embrace whatever's going to happen. And I think kind of my childhood of, of embracing new sports and, and change and, and, and a series of, of injuries previously kind of made me change things. And so the, the, the arms were there for either open or I could be depressed about it. So mm. I, I decided to be open about it. Um. But yeah, the, the the cultural thing wise and, and traveling and meeting new people was just, yeah, the saying, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with is so valid in the sense of you gain so much from other people if you just spend enough time with them. And so, well, of course, if you're open to it as well, I think I'm lucky my my mother is extremely um, open and um, warm and that really rubbed off on me, I think. And she's she's an amazing lady, so. I can be thankful for her. But um, also I think I, I've got a very um, heavy is the wrong word, but I've got quite a deep reflective process. I, I reflect a lot about different things and I've always had small journals that I've, I've had through university that my, my lecturer used to make me buy these small journals and always have it in my back pocket so that if I had an idea with regards to a design, I could sketch it mm-hmm. and it kind of, it came super useful when i was traveling around and i was then had some thoughts and i wanted to write them down or i I, I learned something when i'm training or whatever it was and it's turned into this whole process right now but before it was just this like super relaxed kind of tiny i don't know it was it's not even it's smaller than a5 it's like half a5 a6 kind of size journal and Yeah, I think then I could really reflect on when I met someone and I was like, well, what's that quality in that person that I really like? I'd I'd write it down and and that really then not only rubbed off on me, but I was then even more aware of it and then I could try and apply it into my own life. Mm. And so it, it was obviously not just subconscious. There was something conscious that I was aware of that, okay, there's some awesome people in the world and I've got to try and take what I can from them. And so I think the reflective process is huge for that. like to, to be able to take a step back from this chaos of moving forward or meandering through life and kind of go, wow, that happened. This person affected me like this. This, this guy, wow. How he did that was amazing or how he explained that or his nature in, in that scenario was amazing. Mm. I think especially when you're living from such a... Um, what's the word low, low economic standpoint in regards to money, everything's quite real Mm. and everything's quite close together. And so when you, when you're together in that world, it's therefore then even more powerful because there isn't then loads of distractions of fancy things going on. It's very much like, okay, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, I think, um, there's been a few key players that have, I'm, I'm always thankful of in my reflections that I was fortunate enough to stumble upon.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Ash the other uh, week down in Melbourne mm-hmm. and we were talking about mentors and we kind of came to this junction where there was like, you know, you've got a formal, formal agreement. At times, but then you've got informal agreements and there's no monetary exchange or anything like that. But there's a conscious there's a conscious learning going on. There's like maybe a reflection process or there's, you know, more inquiry, maybe more questioning, and uh, it's not just a glossed over interaction. It sounds like you basically packed your bags and kind of like without really knowing where it was going just looked for people and just kind of going and actively learning, you know, and, um, and, and kind of accumulating experience when, cause you pivoted pretty hard all of a sudden it felt like, okay, I'm now cause you were sharing. There was, I remember seeing, obviously this is just based on Instagram. So as deep as you can really get on that, <laughs> but right, I'm seeing, I'm seeing like sharing of your own practice and then it's like, duh, duh, duh like there's a website up, the depth of what you put out just went like 10x. Um, Mm. There was like a pivot and it was like, okay, I'm now, I'm now going to really share this. I'm going to, if people learn from this, great, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to teach more, I'm going to travel more. And it was kind of like, it felt like it was that time when I think you sort of moved on from Perth, whether it was a visa thing or there was a, something happened there where you kind of did some work somewhere else, but then it like opened up this space where maybe you weren't teaching as much in the in the in the uh, facility, and it just like you, you seemed to kind of double down on. Um, I don't want to say content, but it was like a general shift in energy. Does that resonate at all? Was I picking that up right? Or
1: yeah, yeah, well done, yeah.
0: Did someone, did someone
1: inspire that? Or
0: because it just was like, bam, it was like, shit, we'll just put the foot to the floor here for some reason.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like I, I hit a dead end and I got really nihilistic to a point. Um, I started to share my blog and I got really kind of, I was always writing in that way to myself, but I'd never publicly shared it. And I decided to start sharing it via that blog. and It helped to, to some degree. And I really enjoyed the process of writing and creating these things and, and sharing them with the world. But in another sense, I turned on a really dark path and got super nihilistic and I was training really hard, harder than ever, but, but too hard. I was punishing myself.
0: What was, that, got, showing, what was that showing up like? What, what were the signs?
1: Um, I'd kind of read some work from Alan Watson and, the question that kept coming back was does it matter does it matter and i kept asking the why question and the why question i think is a black hole that you shouldn't really go down because you realize there isn't a why and that's what led me to create the kind of the the what why how hierarchy and and I, i really feel like how you do something is so much more important than than why i'm not saying the why is irrelevant but i'd say the why is way more superficial than your than many uh enlightened people would make you believe mm. um but um yeah there was a definite definite turning point there within that time and i i got a, I was in bali training and i was training super hard and i was in my physical prime at that point and um i got this this neck injury from american football recurred and i was training the one-arm handstand and i wasn't recovering well and i was traveling through Bali with a with an amazing group of people there were three guys that are also movement teachers in Germany so Neil and and Johnny and and we each kind of inspired each other through practice in different days and we just go one session after another after another in the Bali heat and (laughs) trying to travel around and experience Bali but also just crush like six eight hour days of training it was like insanity and my body bit back and I got a this this neck injury came back and then Within a week, I had an ear infection from, from the sea as well. And it was like, wow, okay. Um, I was in bed for, for the rest of the trip and came back to Perth a bit kind of down because my, um, the, the ear infection, it was crazy. It, it infected a nerve. Like the, it's called the longus thoracicus nerve. And it basically it irradiates the serratus anterior. Crazy. And it, turned, it turned my serratus anterior off, which is basically the, the function of my scapula was off. Like I couldn't use my arm. I couldn't lift my arm over my head. I woke up one morning and I, my body was on complete shutdown. Like I was in complete, Uh-uh, can't do this. And at the time I, I moved back in to Perth and I was doing a few jobs on the farm. To earn a bit of money here and there because I'd stopped training I'd stop teaching at the facility to, to kind of go down a bit further south in, in West Australia and I was living with Margaret and Mark so from Modus and um, Margaret was hugely influential on me she was just like cracking the whip like come on you know sort yourself out Will stop feeling sorry for yourself you've got this amazing opportunity to to do something that you dream of stop you know training stupid and stop doing things that he knows too much or there's many things in this melting pot of nihilism and, and, and kind of victim mindset and and i think a mixture of jordan peterson's work and, and and margaret's um hot chilly kind of cracking the whip um mentorship really really helped me get through that and there's a few people around at the same time that really helped me and and then came back to the U.K. and was like, "Hey, let's really do something now, because Australia is not my home. It's, it, my father's a bit sick. Was was a bit sick in, in the U.K, so I needed to come home. And um, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do something for myself and, and, and stop feeling sorry for myself, I've got to take myself seriously. And I've put all this work in and I've got these amazing experiences, but it kind of isn't very useful for me if I'm just going to throw it all away and then feel sorry for myself. So let's do something. And then I used the, the the self-authoring suite as a, as a more guided reflective process to then really dig me out of that hole and, mm-hmm. and kind of set myself on an orientation to say, okay, well, that's what I want. If I could have a dream life, what would it be? Is that? Okay, let's do the work.
0: Yeah. And, and so, so what did that yeah. look like? You started, you just announced it, started to teach. Is that kind of how it unfolded then?
1: Yeah, so I did the, um, the future authoring, self-authoring suite and the future authoring specifically from Jordan Peterson um, online. and I, I wrote down kind of more or less um, 8 to 12, what would you call them, big goals for my life how, or, or let's say milestones or, or things I would like to orient myself towards and also things I would like to not orient myself towards. For example, one of my orientations was I'd love to have a family when I'm older. Mm-hmm. Therefore to have a family I need to support them. Which means if I need to support them, I need to actually do something with regards to capital. And at that time I was bumming around on people's floors and I wasn't have, didn't have any money. So it's like, okay, some things not adding up. I'm not going in a direction where I should be. And so that was a kick in the teeth to go, okay, let's do something. You value yourself, value the work. Rather than punishing yourself, meet it with a with a mindset of of learning and research and, and and value. And that was a huge shift for me. Um, and I kinda of see it as as rather than th- see yourself as a victim, trying to make yourself proud. I think that's something that I, I try and orient myself with. Um, I think I kinda of missed the point of your question, I just wanna react.
0: Uh, no, I mean, I think it, what it occurs to me is like this shift in language, the shift in perspective, the shift in lens that you, um, created for yourself that came from this place of pain, basically, it sounded like a physical pain ultimately. And I think for a lot of us, um, there might be a mentor or two in there, or a certain book that lands at the right time, um, <clears throat> you know, whatever it might be, but I, I, uh, I think it's I think it's something that I hear a lot of, and then the, the flip is like it's like rather than kind of like the pinball bouncing from one place to the other, you know. And I I did the same thing for probably ten fifteen years. Um, it's like okay, well, there's you know you might not call it a why or a purpose or anything like that, but there's some sort of vision of family. There's some sort of there's some sort of intent that gets created in a forward um, momentum, and that might pivot too, but. It sounds like you you went through this um, through the pain, the tension to to have that pivot and flip, and got a few slaps on the wrist. And we're like, okay, let's you know, let's um, straighten up. And and I think it's cool, you know, because you look back, and all of that had to come right. The neck, like the neck and the serratus, like sometimes um, it was essential, you know, mm-hmm. For to, sure. to have that. Um so I think it's interesting also because a lot of people there's this concept of risk, and there's this concept of carving your own path, which is a uh a little line from my friend Joe at Jungle Brothers that I fell in love with a while ago. And a lot of times when someone's on the other side of the fence, so they stayed in industrial design or they stayed in something and They may not be loving this thing and they may not be wanting to do something as full on and full time as say you are doing now. But there's this idea where if I go travel the world and get some experience and learn from people face to face, it's scary and it's not secure and I don't know what's going to happen. And yet at the same time, Uh, what you've created through embracing that is kind of like this resilience. And it's almost like, yeah, there was this kind of in the way, this risk or this this feeling of it could be scary. But once you stepped into it and brought this intent going forward, it's like you've got this great network, this great skill set, this great ability to teach it's kind of given you back so much. Uh, Do you want to talk about that all a little bit? Like you kind of going blind Mm. there for a while, but now you're in a position where, you know, you can have students and teach and, Mm. you know, probably Mm. be paid for it and like do the thing that's really cool is like, does that freak you out at all? Looking back at that whole journey?
1: Like, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Freak me out. No. Um fills me full of gratitude, yes. Like I reflect a lot on it and to have this whole world of, of, of the guys online compared to the guys in London is, is, is such a different but fascinating world, each of their own. Like I've got the online became first because I was still on the, on, on the road and I was still doing different things. But Margot was like, look, if you want to start sharing what you've been doing, and I think you should then there's a market for it. And there's people that are asking you to do it. And I went through a stage of turning people away because I didn't feel I was ready. And she kind of turned around and said, well, when are you ever gonna be ready?
0: Let's real, just just really quickly, Mm -hmm. only because I know there's people listening who are actually in this place, some in this industry, others in completely other areas. You're practicing a skill and you're sharing um, your work. And there's basically the door opens to help people in a paid transaction for the work. Is that right? Like people like DMing you or something like that. Hey, mm-hmm. you do online training or can you help me with some programming or something like that?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then to begin with, it was very much, uh, Oh, well, yeah i'm thinking about it in the future but i'm sorry i don't think i'm ready for you right now maybe check out my friend harry or my other friend johnny or neil in, in germany and and, blah, blah, blah. and uh yeah i kind of the, the more it happened the more i realized like hmm, okay these people see something that maybe they could learn from me and why don't i value myself and that was a whole kind of line of questioning of okay you know, start to value what you're doing. Start to dig in deeper and and take it seriously. And maybe you can give something good. And then, yeah, teaching a lot more in person in Australia really made me see. Wow, I really, I really love to share. And if I'm on the road right now and this thing fits so good, why am I not going to do this? And if, I mean, I look back now and I think, oh my god, thank God. You know, nearly two years have gone by now and. I've got some guys that've been with me since day one, and they're they're making they're doing amazing. Like, they come over, they come see me. We do we do work in person. They go away. They, I've got guys from Canada, America, Australia, Germany, Sweden, like everywhere. It's, an, it's it's amazing. It's it's so beautiful to be able to share that what what I love with these guys and and give them a a sense of not only a skill or. or, or or a, a way of wasting their time, but some depth. And, and I really love to f- philosophize about things and, and, and see the, the bigger picture and I go a bit deeper into things. And I also write them uh, documents for them to think about with regards to questioning certain things or, or thinking more philosophically for themselves and even guiding them towards teaching as well themselves. Some of the guys that have been with me since the beginning are now saying, look, I want to start sharing this work we've been doing together. So it's amazing. It's, it's th- these things come around, not from my planning, but organically from their desires. And it's, yeah, it's amazing, man. It's yeah. The more I talk about it, maybe it does freak me out.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. yeah and and I use the word freak you out in like a good way, like mm. in a, in a, in an amazing <laughs> way. And also, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, I talked to, it's this concept of possibility. It's like so many cool things we can be doing. Um, A quick question though, before we move on, which do you think comes first? The sharing, right? So like you're in Perth, you're starting to share. And this is only front of mind because I spoke to some people about this idea of sharing and content yesterday. The sharing or the ability to teach like, how did that unfold? You were sharing, 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 sharing and then it was like you found your voice, you found that or did you had you already articulated your thought processes before? Like I know you were journaling prior but what's mm. the order there, you know, cuz I think this is a a sticky point for a lot of people as well who will stay silent.
1: Good question. I know there's the infamous quote from Ida which is fake it till you make it, which I don't necessarily uh, agree with hundred percent, but there was definitely, you're definitely never going to give the everything that you possibly could on the first day. And so I always try and go by, well, it's better to do something than nothing. Mm. And all you can do therefore is give your best on that day. And as long as I'm, I don't think it's the orientation of good and bad, but more like good versus evil. It's like, maybe I said that wrong. Maybe it's more like right or wrong and good versus evil. And I think if you have good intentions and you're honestly and openly going towards something, then how can anyone complain? Hmm. Cause everyone makes mistakes and everyone does something better the next time because you learn. And I, I wouldn't say therefore right and wrong is really relevant because who knows if you're right or wrong, but it's better to do something than nothing. And that's kind of how I saw it. It was a sense of, okay, well, I'm sharing things in person. And I love to do it. And it fits with my nature and all these things throughout my childhood and life have added up to this moment. Then cool. I'm going to use all that experience and, and cumulative life to, to, to give this. And then if life presents itself another opportunity, then it's kind of, it's what I mean. It's this, if you're doing something, then another opportunity just springs from it without even realizing. Mm. And it's like, okay, I'm now working on um, projects with some of the guys with regards to me mentoring them as they become teachers, which I never would have thought I was doing. I was simply going to share some, pardon me, share some programs online to, to get people uh, stronger or, or a handstand or more mobile or whatever it might be but it it's evolved into this whole kind of process. And I'm now re- researching how to do paradigms and how to, how to teach people how to research things <laughs> and learn and, and, and the different types of learning and how you can share that, and all these kind of subjective elements that sit underneath, but but are so important within the practice as a whole, and and how you can then translate that into general life, and how, yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, this recent project with 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 Harvey, I think you know Harvey really well as well. Um, Victory visuals, um, he kind of saw that and was like, "Look, let's do a project together. I want to I want to dig deeper into this world and really vocalize your." your philosophical ideas and, and and then show it visually and he did, he did an amazing job visually like
0: oh yeah his yeah, eye to that. do
1: things is amazing this is so amazing yeah i was shitting my pants the whole time like bless him. he had to work so hard on me because i was like oh, i want it to be good and i want it to be you know it, it's so real and it's so professional and i don't want to let you down man and uh, I'm not sure my words can quite justify this quality of camera work (laughs) and you know, yeah, he did amazing. So just if you're
0: listening, um, so Harvey, he's victory visuals on Instagram is a mutual Mm. mutual friend of both of ours and is an amazing, uh, filmmaker, cinematographer. And they connected, Harvey and Will connected and created a great little, it's like four or five minute documentary or a little Mm -hmm. kind of showcase of, of Will's work and ideologies and philosophy. So you can have a look at that. It's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, Maybe this is a good time because the concept of, so just before I move on the recap there, what I picked up from you was intent. If you had good intentions and then action. And it was like, the intent is there. If your intent is solid and you're taking action, like even if you sort of fuck it up, so to speak, and you're making mistakes, people see intent and they understand intent and we can feel it. And the action was the catalyst. Like once you started, like you're in a position now where the things that you're doing completely different, but it stemmed from like the sharing the the actual doing, you know, Um, I think it's a potent mix, you know,
1: yeah, I think the important thing is always to avoid dogmas and always, always looking to grow and move forward and not get stuck in in old ways and just accepting. Okay, that's my that's my thing, and I'm going to stick there and just repeat that over and over and over again. Hmm. But I've kind of gone taken the idea of wow. If I look back now just some of the stuff I was I was writing in the first place, compared to now, it's like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah. But <laughs> I do the same. I was thinking. At least I was thinking. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing, and. Saying that sometimes you can overthink, and that's also a paradox that's interesting. is like action's always the. I was reading recently uh, anti fragile and the uh, author Taleb, he says, I'd rather be anti fragile and stupid than fragile and intellectual because mm-hmm. we're way better at doing than thinking. Yeah, I think that's super valuable. It's like, yeah, you know what? We think we know everything, and but we can never quite encapsulate the whole complexity of anything. So do something. (laughs) Yeah, do something.
0: So I want to talk before, well, we still got some time. The video was uh, not titled, but was was around your concept of physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just quickly Mm -hmm. what that means? Um, I mean, some context is there's been a lot of people, I guess, because of my background, who have been that I've done this podcast with who have come from a physical background or physical domain, either professionally or otherwise. But I don't think it's just that coincidence as well. Um, You know, the physical domain for me, there's a big connection into these other worlds that I now, like I work with a lot of business owners and freelancers and so much of it is coming back. And this is a whole nother conversation, but I guess off of that springboard, I'd love you to talk about this idea of physical intelligence. And then maybe if we have time, we can riff on kind of that linking into other stuff.
1: Mm. Well, actually I kind of see the physical intelligence intelligence completely linking to everything else. That's kind of why I coined the term. Um, And the reason why I have the subjective layer, let's say uh, so prominent within that. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of see it. I'll give a bit of a background of the video and, and and how I see it. And I see it as kind of a four layer process or a four layer paradigm. You could say, um, the bottom two being general, uh, we have general preparedness of the body. So just simply being aware of your body being able to articulate every joint of the body, being aware of limbs in space, um, stuff that any human being walking around this planet should be able to do and and, and needs, but many people don't have. You then have capacity, general capacity, which would be then producing force over a greater range of motion, which is obviously there getting more towards the realm of training and becoming more physical because um, my current teacher, Marcello, he said something great to me once. He said, you know, strength is like money. The more money in the bank you have, the better, but it's not everything. And we kind of see strength like that. It's, it's, it's something that you kind of need to decide, okay, what, how much do I need and how much resources do I, am I able to afford to put into this? Mm. And that's, that's, that's really important. Um, but once you get past that layer, then you move, for me, to the most important one, which is the subjective layer. And that's kind of, the thing that's between everything is how you learn the different types of learning, how you deal with seeing things such as fear or frustration, um, your, your work ethic or your diligence, let's say, and all of these things that you can't quite quantify that if you're aware of, you, you practice a lot, simply your, your focus, your, your time to focus or your, your ability to, to visualize something, let's say. Which, you know, if, if you curate that and you practice that mindfully in your training, I don't want to use mindfully, but you understand what I mean. Um, it can then translate into general life. And what I found is that if I'm, if I'm practicing a certain thing and it, it takes a lot of, let's say, focus, I'm far more able to then translate that into general life when I'm focusing on my work. For example, when I'm, when I'm writing down uh, feedbacks for online students, let's say, and I need to focus on something. Well, if I've been focusing so hard on, on let's say, uh, my set for the one arm handstand, I've got this focal point. And if I can do that for that amount of time consistently over and over again, why can't I do it there? And it's kind of that reminder ah, okay, I've practiced this. And there's also things that you, I'm not going to say that I fully understand, but the, the, I've done a lot of parkour work in the last year or so. And um, a lot of the stuff to do with fear and, and, and the the vestibular system and, and, and your how you react to certain stimuli in life and you know the body sees a threat the same as uh, you know a big jump the same is the same as uh, a scary conversation with your boss or with your with a client or with your girlfriend or with your you know it's still a threat and it's still the same therefore signal for the body and that's a parallel and the more you're able to expose your body to these stimuli with a sense of learning and openness and experience them, the more the body's equipped. And that's the subjective to me. Is these things that you can't quite grasp. And I'm not going to say that I understand them because no one does. Hence the subjective. Um, and then kind of the pinnacle, the orientation, um, because I don't see it as a, as a place that you can get to. I just say it's something that you can work on is physical intelligence, the ability to be intelligent with the body um, manipulate yourself in many different ways, use your, your body in many different ways, experience as many different things as possible um, to give life a bit more vibrant, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's an individual. That's, in, that's so different for everyone. What I do with my students is I allow them to choose their projects because of course we have to manage resources. So we can't all do everything at one point at the same time because it's never gonna work. We're, we're finite beings. However, we can dedicate a certain amount of time towards one thing, gain everything we can, learn from it, keep it in the background. However, now we focus on something else. And then gradually over time, those experiences from one element to the other element to the other element all come together and your physical intelligence becomes richer and and more, yeah, a bit more juicy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So when you think about this stuff for you on a personal level, what lights you up at the moment? You know, I, you mentioned you've just done uh, a year of the parkour and looking at how this ties into the subjective layer in that model, you're teaching people. um, Is it still a progression of your own physical practice too? Like what what lights you up? What are you excited about developing or maybe it's the, the challenge for you now? Like where, where do you, where's your trajectory going at the Mm. moment? You know, what's, what's happening now?
1: Um, it's actually really great. So the last year I I undertook, um, the parkour work because I, I interested my, my physical practice into Machelo, Marcello Palazzo. I decided, okay, I've been traveling around all this time and, I've been learning from people here, there, and everywhere, but I've never had this one teacher. And I've respected my cello for a long time, and I said, well, okay, let's try. Let's commit. Um, So I actually kind of handed over my, my, what would you call it, orientation for my physical practice to him, and he then delegated what I would do, Um, which I've really enjoyed, actually, the sense of... um, allowing someone else to lead for a while to steer the ship, let's say, and just enjoy the ride, put the work in. And, and it's really helped my, my, my ability to not really chase too much mm-hmm. and just, you know, that's today's work. Let's, let's be aware of what it is and let's enjoy what is, what's, what's there, but it doesn't have to be fun and easy to, to be good. Um, and so, yeah, I, Right now, the orientations are, as always, is learning and moving forward to learn more things. I'm, I'm doing tons of stuff that I never thought I would have with regards to like, the business, with regards to the group. I mean, this wonderful London Movement Group has been amazing. It's the year anniversary next week, actually. So it's been a oh, year awesome. now since I started that, which is you know, it's amazing. I'm planning all of that. And, and yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that all of these things, I'm now steering that ship alongside the online coaching ship alongside the what I'm slowly going to do next year, which is teach more internationally and, and, and move forward in that realm, which is, you know, obviously is really scary for me. But I think what I've learned from the parkour is that fear is a really useful orientation and something that you should go towards. If something scares you, then there's something valuable there. Mm. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't really pinpoint exactly what I'm, what I'm, or to myself and the physical practice. I mean, the one-arm handstand was was given to me um, after after a long time away from the hand balancing because of the neck. So mm-hmm. I've been digging into that the last three months, which is which is a. Someone told me yesterday, it's it's the ultimate symbol of delayed gratification, <laughs> which I think was it was great. It was like okay, yeah, that's true. It's something that that you really have to dig into. You can't just do it on and off and expect yeah. to make progress. It really has to be, you know, give it. And so that's been really useful to, to realign me in the sense of something quite structured and static. And, and, and I've, I've been way more dynamic in the last year or so. I've been doing a lot more dance, a lot more parkour. I've just recently begun a, a climbing project because I, I love climbing. That was my initial way into the, the more body weight style stuff. And I dropped it for a long time, but now I'm really happy I picked it back up again. Now it's winter here so I, I can't do too much outdoor work and um yeah the the, the general capacity and preparedness stuff the, the strength work is is minimal work right now minimal work because I have a level of 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 resources to give and if I'm digging into the, the dance the climbing the parkour everything else and I just have one day per week where I do that and that's it mm. which is awesome because then I get to experience so much more and you know, I use my time wisely. I try to at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to dive into? I got it.
1: We got a little bit longer. Um, Um, no, I actually really enjoyed it. It's been super nice. I, uh, you've asked some really good questions. It's so like, like I said to you beginning, I, I expected it to be very different yesterday and it's been super different yesterday, which is great. Um, maybe just the group, um, what, what, what I wanted to talk about a little bit um, was how the group became this thing aside from the online coaching, because I, I really missed teaching in person, you know, and, and sharing in person was super valuable to me. And I really loved it from, from the team sport background. And what I found is after a year of online coaching, I, I really, I desired that in person teaching more, more and more and more. And I was teaching, but it was still, it's distant. And as valuable as online coaching is, there's, there's certain downfalls.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And one of them is, you know, that that connection, that, that tactile interpersonal connection. And, and that's something I love. I really, really love that. So the group was me going, well, okay, there's a market here and there's not many people doing it. Well, there wasn't at least. I'm in a position where I I'd like to share. I can't see myself living in London, but hey, why not? Let's let's see what it has to offer. And things seem to just you know, fit together. I I, I was again, I, I was living on a friend's couch last year, even when I came back from Australia and I was still trying to set the, the the group up, but I went through, you know, a few few hard months of of, you know, one or two people coming to class or will it work won't it work and and renting this space and that space and, and now, now things are going amazing like so good it's turned the corner after the new year and, and, and i was scratching the barrel let's say <laughs> scratching the bottom of the barrel and then and then now it seems you know it's it's more and more beautiful every week and we're digging into the work and everyone that's been there for a long time now is really Really producing some amazing stuff, and 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 the family's becoming super close. And each time you go there, it's like a safe place now. It's like a non-judgmental s- zone where you can where you can explore certain things, and that in itself is so valuable for everyone involved, myself included. And again, so I'm very big on once per week. This uh, minimum twice per week. Yeah, I uh, we do. Uh, two two hour classes, and then most of them do some some variants of one to one with me to dig a bit deeper um, and we, 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 i 've I've set it up so um, we were training at a gym that was down the road from the park, and the park had a, a market on a, on a Sunday, so I'd teach the guys we 'd do two hour class we 'd we'd, we'd leave together, we 'd go to the park, we 'd grab some food from the market, and we 'd train in the park longer. Been, you know five six hours together on a Sunday continually mm. and this kind of breeds this culture of, of togetherness of practice of, of you know it's not oh Will's the teacher and I'm the client and therefore we have got two hours and then we go away it's like mm. no I've stopped teaching that I'm now I'm a, I'm a student first and foremost I'm coming here to learn from you guys as well and we learn together and so let's play some games let's you know, let's go do this tagline, let's let's go play some, whatever game you want to play And I mean, then you give these people the chance to, to give back and that's when, you know, you see the beauty in other people. It's like, wow, I've got some guys that are like, <laughs> every time they show me something different, they surprise me every time. It's crazy. Like, they pull out some, some crazy ass, like um, circus tricks that they've been hiding that I have no idea that they even did. Or one guy's a black belt in Aikido that I had no idea. He's an ultimate Frisbee champion and he's ah. like flinging the Frisbee around. It's like, where'd this come from? Or one guy's amazing at juggling or all these different things. That's like, wow, okay, this isn't awesome. It's, you know, I would never have been exposed to this if I would have just gone home. Yeah. Left. Uh, I think it's so cool, man. I
0: think one of the biggest themes that I'm getting out of this conversation, which I love, because I often talk to people and and we'll be throwing around ideas or there'll be something that they want to do. And we're even talking about myself. I'm like, look, the last, you know, decade has been you never know if something's gonna work, right? Like you you try something and you go you're pushing and it's crickets, nothing happening, and you're just like you know, what's going to happen? And then, but it's always comes back to well, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to go stay. Uh, And I'll always joke with whoever I'm talking to. i like, you know, if it all falls down, don't worry. I'll come and knock on your door and I'll be sleeping on your couch. <laughs> and I say to <laughs> all the people, I'm like, what's the worst going to happen? You'll go sleep on your friend's couch or you'll go sleep on your parents' couch or whatever. It's like, mm. you'll pick yourself back up. You know, we're blessed to be in this world where that's available to us and people are there for us. And it's like, you know, we're very, we're very fortunate to have that. And so what I love about this conversation is because it's been four or five or six times where you've been like, yep, I was on the couch, you know, doing that (laughs) thing. And I think that's like, that's it, man. That's like the essence of it's like, people want to do these great things and this great journey, but it's like, well, you can't be having like $10 coffees and, the side and you know what I mean? Living it up and, and having a Mercedes and all this stuff. If like, cause there's a real possibility that you're going to be on struggle street for a while to get this to go. But, mm-hmm. or and if you do it and you step into it fully, it's like, it's crazy, right? It's amazing what you've created. And I really want to acknowledge that. I think that, um, you know, we often talk about the theoretical and the things like the journaling and the things which are the practices, but it's like far out. The practice to me is like you're on people's couches and you're and you're, you're okay with that and you're dealing with that and you're getting through that. Mm. And that's what's allowed you to do this thing that's so amazing now that's impacting so many other people as well globally, you know, and it's going strength mm. to strength.
1: For sure, man. But I'd also say that I'd actually like to acknowledge the guys that actually allowed me to be on the floor or the couch. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You because know, obviously these people are, everyone needs those people in the world. Hundred you know? percent. They're the they're the the angels that are allowing us to, to to do the things we gotta do. You know. But yeah, yeah. Harry was huge there. Denny's in, in Germany was huge there. Flynn in London was huge there. And those in turn, whether they're practicing or not they're, they're, they're inspiring people to me yeah, even even if it's just for the for the openness of them, you know to allow some some weird kid to just <laughs> sleep on their floor, so yeah, I can always be thankful for that.
0: yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome, man. Well, any last little bits? I think everyone will know where to find you. It's always quite funny because the people have far bigger followings than I do. <laughs> so everyone knows me oh, But um, if you don't, uh, like I, I would also suggest to people to check out your blog and your writing and that sort of stuff as well. Mm. There's a lot of value there.
1: Um, yeah, I will, um, I will update that in the coming time. I've, I've had about a year, year or so off that. Probably even two years now, actually. Ever since that dark time but um, I'm, I'm creating a website and, and fitting things together with my teaching and, and, and therefore I will be doing it. Oh, cool. Come 2020, let's say. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so I'm excited okay. about that,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll look out for that. And then also mm-hmm. uh, check out the video too, the physical intelligence one. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Uh, any last so, words, uh,
1: man? Yeah, we should acknowledge your uh, 365 days of uh, email blogs because I was uh, one of the early subscribers through that man, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I it every I'm, day through my time.
0: I think I'm at seven hundred or something now. I don't something, even know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. It's like, um, you know, I think it's like all of this stuff. It's it's adaptation, and I think for me, it's it's a selfish move. I do it because the. Expression, articulation. For me, the writing helps create thought, and I think it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing. Um, but the writing's been powerful for me, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I feel exactly the same, buddy.
0: Yeah, alright, man. Glad thanks you. so much. I'll uh, I'll have this episode up ASAP. I don't. I tend to get up today or tomorrow. So. Um,
1: oh, amazing! So yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: Appreciate your time, nice one, buddy.
1: Yeah, let me give a quick screenshot of you. Ready? Yeah, for sure. Pull a funny face. <laughs> Cool. (laughs) All right, brother. Thanks so much. Nice one, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Lovely. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care, man. Ciao, man.